BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, really excited about today's episode with Josh Rabb. So much wisdom that you need to, you just need to know, you need to hear and then, you know, create your own opinion from it. But before we get started, I hope you're having a good holiday break. If you're on holiday break, if you're working, you are a fucking superstar. And I'm going to answer a few of your questions before we get started. So someone asked, when is the right time to stop following your ex's family? Um, As soon as you can and get away with it. I don't think if, you know, if you're broken up, I don't think anyone's going to think you're a bad person for unfollowing. It's a it's a choice you have to make for yourself to like have a clear conscious and not conscious conscience. God, and not see those people every day that remind you of your ex. How many drink dates should it progress to a dinner date? Um, um, maybe sometimes it's just one, but I would say maximum two. I think you should get to the dinner part sooner rather than later. Otherwise, it's like, what are you doing? But, you know, some people some people are slow and that's okay. How do you bring up if your emotional needs aren't being met in a new relationship? You really just got to sit that person down and you need to openly tell them what you need because people are not mind readers, especially if it's a man. Um, you know, they really need to hear what you need so they can give you that. Is it harder to get a boyfriend if you have male, great male friends who you compare guys to? I wouldn't say it's harder, but you do have something unrealistic because you only see like the easy chill side of guys in that way because they're your friends and you don't see how they might be in a relationship, which might not be as, you know, chill as how they are with you as a friend. So I would just say like, don't think don't compare because then you're going to think that your guy friends are perfect and the people you're dating aren't when in reality, your guy friends would probably be just as difficult as people that you might date. Is 21 too young to know you've met the one? It really depends on who you are as a person. I think there are tons of people who could know at 21. Um, but I personally would never because I look back at 21 and I knew nothing. And I probably look back a year ago and I knew nothing. And I think for me, I'm the kind of person that's going to get married at, I don't want to say late, but like what is kind of considered a normal age today as opposed to in their 20s. 
Um, but if you know yourself by 21 and you're sure of that, then yeah, it's, it's not too young. What to do when you want to get back with your ex, but it's only been two months. I would probably wait another month to see if you still have those feelings. Also, depending on how long you dated, I think it takes like half the time we date someone to get over them. So if it's been half the time and you're still not over them, then maybe that is something to think about. Um, someone asked, how was it growing up in NYC? It was good, but I will say like everything moved very fast. I feel like my friends were doing coke by eighth grade. Um, and like some of my friends were in rehab before high school. And it was like, it was a lot because I was kind of like the scaredy cat of the friend group. Um, and I didn't really know how to handle a lot of it. And I was like scared and sad. Um, and overwhelmed at times. But I think because I had such a good support system in my family and an older sister, like I was able to kind of observe everything and not really give in to peer pressure. Um, and I still have wonderful, amazing friends from the city today. I think it's just all about your home base and what that is like. And, you know, I honestly, I, I don't regret any of it. I think I would raise my kids in the city. I think that I'm a lot smarter because I was raised in the city and I had a great education and I'm very grateful for that. So if you can afford it, growing up in the city is awesome. Who knows if I will be able to afford that for my future family, but we will see. Is it okay to ask if your significant other has a new follower of the opposite sex, someone they met out? At that point, I don't necessarily think you need to ask. If you have a bad feeling about it, you should probably just assume it might be a red flag and just be careful or just do your research on your own. Um, that's happened to me in the past and it was harmless. Like it was, you know, some girl that their friends hooking up with or this or that. So don't like go too crazy. Um, but if there's a way that you can ask casually, then ask casually. If someone ghosts you after three months, would you call them out or let it go? I would let it go. I think, you know, in the end, they'll probably like you more if you can do that. It sucks. It's a shitty position to be in for sure. But, you know, you're not the, the like, I don't know, the guy who sits in heaven and tells you if you're going to heaven or hell. You know what I mean? Like, just let them be a dick and you don't need to be, you don't need to stoop to their level. Okay, we'll answer one more. All right. Oh, it's so hard to choose. You guys ask such great questions. Okay. So there's a lot of the ghost questions and if you should confront. Okay, here's one. Been on three dates with someone and hooked up. I'm assuming that means had sex in this case. Figured out they're married slash recently separated confront them. Definitely confront them. You don't want them to think that you're the kind of person that would just look the other way if finding something out like this. And I think how they respond to it is really important and telling. So I would definitely confront them. And don't forget to get tickets to our show January 28th in DC at City Winery. We met at acme.com slash tour and follow us or sign up for our Patreon with extra content at patreon.com slash we met at Acme now. Okay, without further ado, I'm going to let you listen to Josh. So I hope you enjoy. 
Hi guys, my name is Sarah Nicole and I am the host of the Papaya Podcast, where each week we dish out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom all through candid conversations in a very real and tangible way. I want everyone to know that they're not alone and that we share in these experiences called life. And sometimes when we get to know somebody else's story, it changes ours a little bit as well. So I want you to tune in with us on Mondays, subscribe, rate and review it and keep these conversations going with us. You can tune in behind the scenes at the Papaya Podcast and and the birds papaya on Instagram as well. Can't wait to see you next week. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with the author of How to Be a Player in the Age of Feminism, Josh Rabb. Hello, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Hey, Josh. Thanks for coming and thanks for the books. I'm really excited about them. Yeah, it was kind of a weird, weird story where um, a friend of mine and I were talking. I never intended to write this book, but then... A friend and I were talking about um, consent mm-hmm. in the, and what it, what it means. And she was telling me that once alcohol is involved, there's really no such thing as consent. Right. And so I had made a joke about, so then on my next date, should I, before she takes her first sip of alcohol, am I supposed to ask her, hey, right. later, would it be okay? That's so funny because we were literally just talking about that before we recorded. I was saying that I got drunk on a, a first date and slept with someone um, and I mean, I guess technically I had consented, but I guess now that you say that, I guess I don't know. Is there any way to know? Right. So how do you solve that? So my, it was half kidding, but it, it could be hot on a date. I never actually tried it, but like, you know, stopping them from having their first sip and being yeah. like, do you feel it? Like, can you consent now right. before we start drinking? But it's almost impossible because you sit down and you almost you don't know have anyone. a drink before you speak. Almost, Correct. You know. So it is a difficult a difficult issue. I mean, I think it's probably a little Puritan to say that two people can't have a one cocktail and still consent. But that that was the inspiration for the book where I started writing about that and what that right. meant. And then all this, it came out in like two weeks, just all the stories and tips. And just I really want to get into that. Um, also, I want to say like technically, depending on what you ate that day, you could have one drink and be totally fucked up true you know yeah versus like if you ate a lot and it depends what the drink is you had a martini or you had like a exactly small beer so we'll take a step back so josh tell me a little bit about yourself how old are you and where are you from i am 30 years old and i'm from i was born in montreal and i grew up in orlando florida and i went to high school in santa barbara oh wow and then very different places yeah and then i've been kind of bouncing back and forth between la and new york for like the past decade okay and i'm old enough now to say I've been doing things for a decade. Yeah, that's crazy. You're making me feel old. Um, <laughs> and so when is your birthday? Because we're kind of into the astrology. Yeah, we were listening here. to your, we were listening to some of your ast- astrology readings last night. <laughs> okay, so tell me. I'm uh, May 19th. Taurus. Oh, you're a Taurus. Mm-hmm. But you are cusping. You're close to Gemini. Tell me more. Well, you're just like at the end of Taurus. Okay. Which doesn't really mean much but you might have some gemini influence in you which makes you like i don't know restless sometimes that's about right and your girlfriend oh sorry um, what is your current relationship status i'm in a relationship (laughs) okay well i i'm not gonna lie i knew that because his wonderful girlfriend is sitting in front of us um (laughs) when (laughs) when is her birthday oh no no uh february 20th okay so with pisces pisces Mm -hmm. But like also on the cusp, could be close to Aquarius, but interesting. 
Um, you guys are a great match, by the way, Taurus and Pisces. Mm. Good stuff there. Co-star says that love and something else doesn't get along. Well, that's, or, no, that it's that's not- the rest of your chart that Co-star is picking that from, probably. Mm. So maybe there is... I don't know anything about Yeah, this, maybe your Venus is... Okay. Clash. Venai. Your Venai clash. <laughs> um, but going back to the book and just like your life, so... You're in this relationship now, and mm-hmm. we'll get this out of the way so we don't have to talk about your relationship the whole time. But how long have you guys been together? Uh, since May. But we okay. knew each other from high school, so we kind of didn't talk or mm. Instagram talked for like a while, like 15 years. <laughs> Wait, so you DM'd back and forth? For... Well, just like random likes. We like followed each other, right. you know, that weird modern sort of friendship. So how did you take it to the next level? Um... I guess I was going through a big breakup slash divorce, and that's when oh. we first really mm-hmm. talked. Was it a divorce? Yeah, it was a divorce. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll have to get into that. And then um, and then once I moved back to California, um, reached out for a booty call, and it became more serious. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And let's talk about this divorce for a sec. Mm-hmm. Um, how old were you when you got married to this person? Got married when I was 26, and we've okay. been together for f- five years. Okay. So you met her on college ending? Or? Yeah, like at graduation, really. Okay. And what was this person's sign, if you don't mind me asking? Mm-hmm. If you remember their birthday? Uh, November 13th. Okay. So you're opposite, which is interesting. <laughs> okay. I didn't know yeah. that. I never actually thought yeah, to like yeah, look yeah. it up. You're opposite. Um, and opposite signs are great make great friends um but they can things can be hit or miss when it comes to relationships with our opposite signs in our case miss right so how were there any signs before you got married that like red flags that you did not want to see i mean it's the hindsight's 2020 thing where Mm -hmm. yes of course but you don't want to believe them or you don't want to see them for what they are or yeah that's what's interesting seeing your instagram when you talk about your quizzes always have deal breaker or red red flag. flag. And I'm like, is that, those are the options. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, I guess it is red flag. You have to decide what to do about it. Right. But it's something. For sure. Um, So yeah, there were red flags. There was, it was mainly just communication issues. We were young. Mm -hmm. It was like, and um, my therapist always says that it doesn't matter how a relationship starts, whether it's drug infused, depression induced, doesn't matter as long as from that, a strong relationship grows that's an interesting thing. And like her and I met when we were graduating, right? right. Which is like lots of self-growth things are happening then in people's right. minds. Like, what am I going to do now? And it's kind of this like really rich time to latch onto somebody. Kind of like how people fall in love in an elevator that's mm-hmm. broken down or whatever. Um, but I guess nothing super strong grew out of that. That's so interesting that your therapist said that because I'm th- the first thing that came to mind was like, okay, so people who get in a relationship from cheating, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's fine as long as the rest of the relationship, right? I yeah, guess. there's nothing wrong with cheating for the person that's doing it if it's better for them. You know, if right. you're getting out of a relationship that wasn't great, it's just another I way mean, of breaking up. I wouldn't say there's nothing wrong with it. There <laughs> are better the ways to go about yeah, it. Yeah, true. But um, It's an expression of... But I'd rather someone cheat on me with their next wife, sure. right? Than like someone they're never going to speak to again, I right. guess. Cheating with intention. Cheating is wrong, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> cheating is wrong. Cheating is wrong. So... Because you've gone through this experience, is there anything that you can tell us about some maybe red flags to look for if you're thinking about, you know, taking that next step with someone? I mean, 
listen to your body. Like there was so many times when I convinced myself out loud and in my head to keep going with the wedding and keep planning, even when my body was just clearly saying, no, this isn't right. Um, you mean your gut feeling? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, it's really hard to know because I saw you didn't, I didn't listen to it, but I saw you did an episode on the 36 questions on how to fall in love with yeah. anyone. And I, to a degree, I believe anyone can fall in love with anyone if the situation is right and if they work through right. their issues in a certain way. Um, and so that's what's hard about red flags. Do you work through them or are they important? And let's see. Communication was a big thing. We didn't fight well. And I know fighting well with somebody is important. What's an example of not fighting well? Like I've I've read some things like leaving the room <clears throat> is a bad thing. Or, um, you know, if you feel like alone after your fight with someone. I've I've read if there's like very nasty words said and, and things like that. But it's hard to know because like, you know, fighting is shitty for everyone. Right. And it's hard to know. I don't think it's the same for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like for, for me, I, I like to leave the room when I'm fighting with someone who I think is becoming unhinged or like things are becoming unreasonable. Mm. And like, um, so I, I leave to give everyone space. But it, it's fighting styles. I feel like it's more that people have to have the right, the same style. Whereas she would want me to scream. Mm-hmm. she would like scream at me and want to get angry right and i would shut down like i just right. sit on the couch and just like become a little floppy man mm-hmm. and we just didn't match in that way i'm not a screamer i don't get angry i like to talk about things calmly and right but then what's the <clears throat> the opposite to that right like do you want two people who shut down or how does how does that work it just becomes a discussion instead of yelling are two people who yell good i'm sure there are lots of couples that have been together for a while that like yeah you hear about it throwing stuff at each other and they hug each other soon after and that's it right um i don't know how to fight still i still have a shutdown problem that i'm Mm -hmm. getting better at i see yeah which i think lots of guys maybe do or maybe i'm just making myself feel better no 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 my first my like high school boyfriend was a shutdowner yeah um and he would and I was the one who was screaming and I was like, just fucking scream and like yeah. he wouldn't and and it just it made me it was like an insecurity for me because I was like, I just feel fucking nuts. Right. Yeah. yeah, and it's like a weird passive way of gaslighting, really. Like I can imagine mm. screaming at somebody and being like, Why aren't they screaming back? Like, yeah. am I a crazy person? And they're they just don't. It's just not totally. <laughs> yeah. And so at what point did you decide, or maybe you both decide, or she decide like marriage was something that you wanted to explore because like you're 26 i don't know if she was the same age as Mm -hmm. you um but like that is young but i can see how like someone could spin it as like the right time you know i mean lots of the trauma for me of the relationship came from my own i don't know mindlessness i feel like every stage in my life i'm like wow that last josh was really unconscious and kind of a zombie thank god i'm at this new tier yeah and so now i look back at that and i'm like you know, um, it just seemed like where life went. I, my parents are happily married. Mm-hmm. Her parents are happily married. It's where we're told that relationships go after a while. I have a sense of duty. Like I wanted to, um, I wanted to join forces. I wanted to go and yeah, I, I came from a sense of duty, wanting to like show to her that I was serious about this and that mm-hmm. it wasn't just going to linger in this weird area. Right. Does that answer it? Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess like how soon into actually being married. 
were you like, oh, this needs to be done? I mean, talk about red flags. It was like when we went for our marriage license, mm. we got in like a huge fight in the car where she was didn't know why I was pushing like having to get the license that day. And then we like waited in line and it was fine. Got the license. Then we got in a fight again outside on the wall, outside the courthouse. And like that should, for most people that are conscious, right? like I obviously wasn't at the time, I would have been like, eh, it seems like she doesn't want to do this. Right. It seems like we're both doing something that's maybe not right. right. And so, so there was many things right before the marriage, but then right after it was, um, I don't know how honest to be, but uh, we moved across the country mm-hmm. so she could go to school. I just realized that I didn't want to, it was like two months after, I just didn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I just saw into the future being with this person and I was like, this is not, this can't be my life. Right. I just felt like I was being mistreated. Yeah. So then you're, you become single, right? You, you guys go through the process of separation and, and divorce, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you hadn't really dated as like a 20 year old. Mm-hmm. What, And I'm sure this had a lot to do with, you know, what went into this book eventually. But like, what did you learn? Like, what was your, you know, because a lot of people listening, maybe they've been in relationships for a long time. Maybe they're newly single. Maybe they're thinking about getting out of that long relationship that they know is not good for them. Um, What was like the first thing you do as a single person? Obviously, you heal and you get over it. But after that. I mean, the first thing you do is for me. I believe is like just cut off just like you really have to separate physically no talking like I don't understand these people that are still talking to their exes like soon Ridiculous. after like you need a spacer mm-hmm. I'm not saying you can never be in contact again but mm-hmm. you really need to um uh get your boundaries back and understand where they are um so for me it was yeah to to move out of the city and really make the decision in my head like you know it's it's a confusing thing to leave somebody cuz you it was when I learned the definition of, you always hear that, it's like in a Ben Harper song, but when you love someone, you've got to let them go. Yeah. And I was like, I love you. This is not good mm-hmm. for either of us. And it's it's in making that really confusing decision. Um, and I think people know. That's why I'm so traumatized by my own passivity. Like everyone knows, anyone listening, like they, you know in your heart if you feel like you're, you know, um, again, my therapist talks about a relationship being between two people. It's a third party. It's between you two and it's this thing you need to care for. Mm. And you know if it's not good for one or either of you. Mm-hmm. And it's important that you either address that or leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, going back to you're single and, and this and that, and then you're, now, now let's say you're ready to date again. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Do you go on apps? Do you, and where are you living at this point? So I, uh, so I moved to New York soon after my sister was having a kid. So I wanted to help her when um, my brother-in-law went back to work. And I got on the apps. I actually got on the apps while I was still married, um, which was interesting. I talk about it in the book a little bit, but there's this uh, one woman, shout out to Yinka, who like mm-hmm. I matched with on Tinder. And we never actually met while we were married, but she would talk to me while like walking through the streets. We like talked on the phone. She was married as well? No, no, no. Sorry, I was married. Uh-huh. And she just like talked. I was really lost at the time. Didn't yeah. know what I was doing. And I would just walk through the streets at night and she would console me and like talk to me. That is so funny. Wait, you were married but had already decided to divorce? You know, we did, we did that thing that now I see other people doing where they're like, yeah, we're, we're open. But you know, mm. it's like you're open because it's about, because it's not working and you're both too afraid. Right. To stop. Like there's open happy and there's open like. Ugh. Is there open happy though? 
Um, I think maybe that's like, that has to be intended before the marriage, if happy. But I have no idea. I don't know either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me and my girlfriend now don't like that term, but we're not not it. (laughs) Interesting. Um, So anyway, yeah, we, we... Getting back into the dating world was interesting because I I talk about this in the book also, but there was like, I had, most guys can say I'm unemotionally available, I'm busy with work, I'm emotionally available, blah, 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 or just no excuse. But I suddenly had a good excuse. Like when I was on a date or started to date someone and I would say, I'm totally broken down right now. I don't know what's going on with my right. life. I'm in a new place. I can't really be here, pres- like totally present or like commit to anything. Mm. People would understand that because I just got out of a divorce. And that at that time, there was like a couple women I started to have casual relationships with. And I realized how easy it was to be casual with them because I was being honest. Mm -hmm. And then once the excuse faded away, like once it was like a year out and I couldn't really be like, oh, I just came out of this. Yeah. I started to find myself just more open, like more able to communicate whether I was available in a a given moment or not. Mm -hmm. And going back to you know, your first couple dates, once you had recently been divorced, would you tell them before the date? Would you tell them on the first date, the third? It was a, I think I, I waited with one girl like three dates in and she was totally weirded out that I didn't bring it up earlier. Right. So most of the time I bring it up. Right. First thing. But it's also this weird, like we were married for three months. Yeah. So I was like, is that really? Right. No, not really. I mean, when you consider how long you were together before then. May, like you understand why it was not as easy to like move on right away and right. To dive into another relationship. But the irony of being married three months when you've been together like four years says, says a lot, right. you know. Um, but let's talk about this book for a little bit. It's How to Be a Player in the Age of Feminism. What strikes me immediately is the in the age of feminism part. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm thinking like, you know, the Me Too stuff and and just like, you know, what inspired you? You kind of touched on it a little bit, but did you have, did you feel like you were a player, you know, at some point? Like, how did you know how to write this book, you know? I think there came a time when I, when I, right, right before I started writing the book, there was, I had like, I feel like anywhere to eight to 10 women that I was like in strong, good relationships with, both in the same city as me and past people that I still kept in touch with, mm-hmm. but that still felt like intimate. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then I had friends asking me for dating advice and I just started to feel like I had lots of stories and things to offer and it flew out of me. I mean, the, the title itself's a little bit of a thirst trap because it's not totally what's in the book. It's right. like memoir and it's not, it's not actually about how to be a player. It's about how to communicate why mm-hmm. you should see a therapist. So I guess I was a player. I, I call it an organic, homegrown, um, glorified fuckboy. Yeah. In there. <laughs> so like what are some of the big takeaways for someone reading the book other than you know hearing about your story and and your situation? So part of the book is written for people that roll their eyes when women start talking about feminism or the patriarchy and kind of trying to reframe it for men to see how the patriarchy affects them and their own mental health and how just just thinking about it, exploring it, going on personal self-growth will make them realize how much of their issues with women, finding women, maintaining a relationship have to do with their own personal their own personal growth. I mean, I'm learning more and more how 
everybody's reactions, everybody's behavior is personal to them. Very little of it has to do with something you did. And then it's also important to know the same about you. Like my behavior is a, is a reaction to something I'm feeling and not necessarily, like we have this like, we kind of live in this weird f- fantasy. My therapist again says, relationships are often just two people acting out two different plays on the same stage. Mm. And that's how it feels sometimes when I'm reacting to something that's not actually happening. The question was takeaways. Mm-hmm. Also, I have to know, is your therapist a man or a woman? Woman. Okay. Yeah. Um, and do you recommend a man see a woman? And So I do in the book. I, I say that um, men see prostitutes to get sexual gratification without emotional responsibility. And men mm-hmm. should see female therapists to get emotional responsibility without sexual gratification. That's amazing. Because um, it, it is practice. It's like... And I talked to this about, about it with her. Like I'm in there learning how to look a woman in the face and say things that that I, you know, I have this problem where I um, I think saying honest things are sometimes mean because I know they might hurt somebody. Right. But I'm trying to retrain my brain to be like that's honesty and that's okay. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, lots of the book is about focusing on your your personal growth in order to make like you can't be in a happy relationship unless you're honest with yourself mm-hmm. that's when um, bad shit starts happening um for instance i talk about how lots of times guys want girls feelings to go away mm. like they're, they're expressing something intense and a guy's first reaction is to like say the right thing say the thing that's going to make that feeling go away and it's right. like that's not really going to help it's not what she wants yeah. and also screw you you're not even capable of coming up right. with that line or making it go away she's just having the feeling and you need to address what's real about it, what you what you might have done, what's happening. You know, you just need to. Yeah, and it like it. They're the only ones that suffer because it comes back later with like a vengeance. Mm-hmm. And if that feeling is expressing like this is not working for me, then you're really fucked because she's just going to build up that feeling and then like be done. Right. And you're going to be like, well, I could have dealt with that feeling, but I didn't. Yeah, you need to move. What do they say? Move. Move through problems, not around them. Mm -hmm. So something we agree on, which I'm like very excited about, is that you shouldn't have sex on a first date. Mm -hmm. I get shit for this a lot. Um, And I don't think it has any... I know that it has nothing to do with me being like anti like sex positive because Mm -hmm. I I think sex is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just shared that I had sex on a first date once. Mm it, granted, it, it did ruin that whole relationship for me. Um, but, well, that's a good example then. Yeah, so it's a good example. But And and that for me, um, if I didn't like clarify before, was just because I felt like the relationship, you know, like all the exciting things had happened already and you couldn't really start over. But what's your take on sex on a first date? So the part I talk about that in the book about how my, my advice for mindful dating is about, um, is really about mindfulness. And so... I know mindfulness is such a crappy tag word we use now, but um, it starts with swiping. Mm. Like, don't lots of guys just swipe right. Just like, let's see how many matches I get. Yeah. And you really have to stay mindful the whole time. Would I actually go out with this person? Mm. And the not sleeping on the first night is another version of that where it's if you don't have sex on the first date and you don't, and then that means you're never going to have sex, then you shouldn't have had sex in the first place. So, elaborate. Um, I believe that you need time to think about it and that if after you have a first date, you still want to see the person again Mm -hmm. and want to sleep with them, that's a great sign. That means you both have had time to back out of the situation, get sober, sleep alone in your bed for a night and be like, well, I'm still thinking about that person. I would Mm -hmm. love to hook up with them. Whereas 
if you do that on the first night, you don't have that time. And so my my belief is once you meet somebody, you think you're compatible, you really want to have sex with them. If you leave that date and you don't call them again, you don't think about them, you don't really want to follow up, then you shouldn't have had sex anyway. And right. then you both get to leave without having, um, I don't want to say hurt anyone's feelings, but sex is intimate and it's a, it's a, I think we like to think of it as casual sex, oh, mm-hmm. whatever, but it, you don't know who the other person is totally. in a couple hours. It's not enough to know how important it is to them. And I've definitely slept with women that I thought was just casual, where to them I found out they didn't sleep with that many people and that was kind of a big thing for them. Right. And or vice versa. Yeah, or I'm vice sure. versa. And so I just think the only way you can get to know somebody that well and actually talk about those things happens on a second date or later. Right. Or if just like if sex is not necessarily on the table yet because it's like kind of what you said about the therapist. I'm, I don't remember the exact words, but it's like creating this like emotional thing without the sexual yeah, you thing need to create, for a little bit. I talk about how to, because guys have trouble um, asking questions and having conversations. I've heard from women that have read the book and told me to add a section on it. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a book I recommended here called Deborah T- by Deborah Tannen called um, uh, You Just Don't Understand. And it's about differences in the way men and women talk. Mm-hmm. And so part of the book says to replace having sex on the first date, you need to have conversation that makes the intimacy almost as good as sex. Right. Like how to just like really turn each other on and really generate good an emotion. Yeah, just like just, just talk and stupid stuff, funny stuff, serious stuff and just make it real. Right. Like, and then lots of the intimacy generating is done. Like you don't even, because uh, I interviewed a couple friends for this and I quote them verbatim, but they say that they, they fuck on the first date because it's a way to generate intimacy, like immediately. And I'm like, guys... You're doing it all wrong. You're doing it wrong. It's never going to go anywhere from yeah. there. Like make, see if there's a real connection first and then right. the sex will be better too. Right. Because like what if you as a guy have sex on a first date and then like to generate intimacy and then realize you don't like the person, then you're just like a dick. Which I think a lot of people do. Yeah. You mentioned our friend, shout out to Alex, um, is in the book a little bit mm-hmm. since it's already kind of out there. His name's changed, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> God damn it. Um, but yeah, what what are... Okay, what's like the best um, thing that someone contributed to the book? How about that? Someone contributed to the book? Like you said, you talked to friends mm-hmm. and you got like information. It was mainly that. I mean, mm-hmm. it was mainly the idea that um, there's a... Lots of men feel insecure that they're going to be able to generate a a relationship with a girl on the first date mm. that is that can be without sex. It's pretty simple. Like they just Very there's something about their personalities yeah. that they both made jokes about their personalities. Like maybe it's a deficiency like I'm insecure about my personality, so I want to mm. be like look how I fuck. Right. That's that's truly fascinating. <laughs> so, um so we had briefly mentioned this, but we are going to we do these poll questions on the Instagram and we're going to go ahead and ask you some of these questions in like a speed round. Oh no. And um, you'll answer. It's mostly yes or no, true or false. Um, but love's not that simple. Lindsay. But it can be with these full <laughs> questions. Okay. Let's see. All right. Your ex sends you a nasty message. Should you answer it and then block their number or don't give them the satisfaction of answering and just block them. Oh man, can I can I give an answer and then an explanation? Okay, or no, yeah. you wanted speed round. So so no no, no, it's no. Fine. do a quick explanation. I've been, no, don't answer. No, don't answer. Mm-hmm. 
it's not unlike unless you're continuing a relationship, there's no point in contributing to 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 there's no relationship. So don't contribute yeah. to anything. It's done. That's fair. Your ex broke up with you in a really horrible, painful way six months ago. You haven't spoken since that day, but they randomly FaceTimed you last week. They said it was an accident. Was it actually an accident? No, I didn't know. No. Oh, wait, is it yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Interesting. You broke up five months ago after a year and a half um, for relationship for reasons you don't understand. Um, is it too late to also ask to? Is it too late to ask for closure? No. If they're good on paper, they're bad in bed. True or false? False. You're moving in a month. Do you have to tell people on apps before your date or is it okay to tell them on the date? Uh, yeah, you have to tell them. Is it okay for your significant other to be friends slash friendly slash text people that they've had sex with in the past? Yeah, I think both me and my girlfriend wouldn't talk to anybody if, <laughs> if we couldn't. Meaning you, you only communicate with people <laughs> you've had sex with? Yes. Wow. Why? How? I don't know. I just feel like all my girlfriends I've, I've slept with other than one. Hi, Jane. And, um, and are you open about that with each other? Yeah. That's good. You guys are strong. <laughs> um, you hooked up with a coworker and kind of freaked out on them because you're usually against hooking up with people you work with. Apologize to them or leave it alone? I'm triggered by this question. <laughs> um, wait, apologize for what? Sorry. You freaked out on them. You oh. hooked up and then you were like, no, I can't do this. I hate you. I like, I'm a coworker. Oh, no, don't apologize. Um, would it make you mad if your partner waited until the last minute to get you a gift for your birthday? No. How often does your partner make you orgasm? This is honestly more for women because like I pretty much I'll answer for her every time, all the time, several (laughs) times. (laughs) Um, But I guess, do you make your partner orgasm at least once a week or at least once a month? Well, it's an interesting flip. I'm going to flip it real quick and say that, um, lots of the book talks about even when you're in a relationship not the guy maybe should practice not coming all the time because it, you're able to be mindful and focus on the woman a little bit more. So like we tried a couple of weeks ago for like me not to the whole week. And um, so, yes, she does. <laughs> How did that go for you? <clears throat> um, I mean, it's probably a better question for her, but I think, uh, I think it went well. It, it enabled me to not be so goal oriented, which I think is what really screws people on dates and in relationships right. is focusing on yeah. the future. Your partner of a few years breaks up with you because they've never had a serious relationship before yours. And they say they want to explore and see what else is out there. Should you give them a chance if they wanted to try things again in a few months? Yes. You still like them? You looked at your partner's phone and two months into seeing each other and two days before officially dating, they were aggressively sexting someone you've never heard of. (laughs) They have not done this since labeled official but has also never sexted you in that way. You saw them and slept with them. The days surrounding this text combo. Reason to break up? No. Okay. That's... Oh, wait. Lastly, if you run into an ex at an event, do you have to say hi? Big event. Many It's people. funny because I voted on that one on Instagram, but I forget what I put. Now I don't know how to answer. Um, uh, no. Yeah. I was in that situation. That was a me poll question. Nice. I did not say hi. But that's so unlike me because if you know anything about astrology, I'm a Libra. I'm a people pleaser. Need to make sure everyone's okay and feeling good about me. 
And um, I saw the ex and I was with my friend and I turned to him and I said, you know, blah, blah, blah's here. And he said, you know, you don't have to say hi to him, right? <laughs> and I was shook. Yeah. And I didn't do it. Well, that's kind of what I meant about, yeah, the relationship, if it's done, there's yeah. nothing to work on. Right. Totally. To try and be nice is to continue. Exactly. <laughs> so, Josh, will you leave us with a quote or a piece of advice that you can share with our listeners that has maybe helped you over the years? This is a poem by Nayira Wahid. Someone can be madly in love with you and still not be ready. They can love you in a way you've never been loved and still not join you on the bridge. And whatever their reasons, you must leave. Because you never ever have to inspire anyone to meet you on the bridge. You never ever have to convince someone to do the work to be ready. There is more extraordinary love, more love that you have never seen out there in this wide and wild universe. And there is a love that will be ready. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Josh. Where can everyone find you, follow you, and read your writing? So you can just search the book on Amazon, How to Be a Player in the Age of Feminism. I think it's good for pervy cousins, women, people that are married. <laughs> There's all sorts of advice in it. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram at Jab, which is my name. But the first letter's flipped. Awesome. Thank you very much for Thank having me. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed the episode, write us a review. Check out our website, wemetatacme.com for more information. And um, we have a, a show coming up in D.C., so if you're listening and that applies to you, you can get your ticket at wemetatacme.com slash tour. So check it out. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. 